All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nick Frazier Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Frazier. Uh, I'm joined by somebody I haven't seen in a while, probably about five years or so, DeAndre Kerr. DeAndre, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're glad to have you on the podcast. Uh, you know, this is kind of a different little scenery around here. We're at, uh, what, the Weston Hotel in downtown Nashville, and uh, yeah, this is all new right now. I've, I've gone on the road. I'm taking all my stuff with me. And got a new little camera set up. I mean, it's kind of crazy on my end, but uh, glad to have you on the podcast, man. It's been a while. Um, I'm excited for you uh, because I've been following your career since after the camp we went to. And uh, you were 14 at the time, and I was 18. I was like, this guy just doesn't seem to be 14 years old. Like, he was playing with 18 year old. Like, this guy's good. Um, so, what, what are your initial reactions here? What, what do you feel about the podcast? Pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's my first time being on one, so really? it's, it's definitely cool. And I've, I've definitely watched podcasts uh, in my spare time, so to actually be on one, and I've seen some of the some of the work you've done, so it's, it's great to be here for sure. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Well, we're gonna get into it here in a little bit. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about your journey here uh, with TFC, and uh, you guys play Nashville SC tomorrow uh, at Giotis Park. Uh, it's a eight o'clock game, I believe, and um, yeah, you guys are seem to be on the road. For quite a bit and start of the season y'all were kind of a little bit of a, a sludgy start and you know the recent transactions of the transfer market you guys kind of changed a little bit but the thing is is that with your part of the career you you worked your way up through the ladder like give us a little context like you started out with you know the developmental program with TSC and then went to Syracuse and it seemed like you just crushed it at Syracuse and now you're in, you're in the pros man how's it feel? Yeah, no, it it's definitely feels good. This is what this is what you'd say my dream was to to become a pro. So to yeah. do that at 19 is definitely great. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a journey, and and I just just always tried to whatever level I'm playing at, just play my game and listen to the coaches, work hard, and then those stuff can take you a long way. So I've always kept that with me ever since I was a kid, and um, and even now. So it's good to see it. Um, paying off and getting opportunities at, at this level. What's it like when you get recognition from hometown fans in Toronto? Because especially, like, your first goal was in New York, right? It was an away game. Yes. And it was a header, and you were just – you couldn't have the home fans screaming your name. So, like, what was the initial feeling like when you scored your first goal? Was it pretty cool? It was pretty cool. I remember we were losing at the time, so it was – there wasn't much time for celebration. It was it was mostly just get the ball, let's get back to the halfway line. But I also collided heads um, with with the opponent as I scored the header, so my head was hurting. Yeah. <laughs> as I was running back, if you see the video, I was rubbing my head a lot. Yep. And I was actually put into concussion protocol from it because it was it was a bad collision. The other guy needed like nine stitches. No way. So. It didn't really set in that I scored my first goal until after the game. Yeah. I just had adrenaline going, my head was hurting, and I wasn't even thinking about the goal. It wasn't until after the game I was like, wow, I scored my first MLS goal, and that's when it sunk in. And when wow. I got home and saw my parents, and they were so happy for me. But your parents were just up and down, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were. So That's great. What was, what was the locker room talk after the game with the coach? What did he say about you? After that game? Yeah. I mean... He congratulated me like separately, but we lost the game, so yeah. that that was the main talking point in the dressing room for, yeah. for sure. So. Okay, well, now that we, you've progressed on the season and transactions have happened, well, you've ended up scoring 
in in Toronto in front of a home crowd. What was it like? <laughs> well, we got a little. Uh, we got some people. It, it looks like Insignia and Trishita. I'll be darned. Oh man. What? Speaking of them, what what's it like having them on the team? It's it's amazing. You know, these are players that I grew up watching as a kid, and to have them as my teammates. Yeah. Seeing them every day, training with them, learning from them, from from practice and games is. It's, it's an amazing thing to have as a 19-year-old and someone who's still learning and growing, for sure. That's crazy. So the fact that you go to training and you, you try to, like, create more for your craft, you know what I mean? And then you got those guys that come along. Well, what's it like on a day-to-day basis when they kind of give you tips and pointers? Obviously, there's a translation barrier there, but what's it like? Um, well, for me, I'm 19. This is my first year being a professional player yeah. and these guys are they're there they've been there they've done it you know Insigne's done it at the highest level of Euros Champions League we've all seen it so if he sees something that can help me even if it's a little thing I'm I take it on board I'm open to it because you know if I can somehow get to the level he was at one day you know I'll listen to whatever he has to tell me yeah know? so so for sure it's such an advantage having a guy like that um on my team as my teammate. It seems like a big momentum change when they came to Toronto. And obviously there's a big population of Italians, so like it was a very easy transition for them. But for you, you know, you got a lot of minutes. Like you were playing full 90-minute games in some regards, and then Bernadeschi comes into play, and it seems like you guys are kind of swapping minutes there for the most part. But the fact that you're learning from him and he's learning from you, well, what's it like when, when they kind of ask you questions? You, have they asked you questions about how you develop and how do you, you know, transition your play to the game, to yeah. soccer, North American yeah. soccer? Yeah, so, yeah, we've had those conversations and it's obviously different playing in North America here than playing in Europe. It's a different style, it's different, yeah. there's a lot of differences. So yeah, we, we have those discussions and these guys are still adapting because they're gonna have to adapt after being in Italy so long. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a back and forth conversation for sure. You know, the, the one thing that I always find interesting about soccer in America is that, I don't know, growing up as a kid, I always looked at the MLS as like counterattack style soccer. And am I going up too overboard with saying that or no? Yeah, you know, you could say that. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Because like when I watch it, especially like back in the early 2000s with LA Galaxy and Landon Donovan, they would always have like that counterattack style soccer. And it would always be very, I don't know, un, not as entertaining. Whether, you know, you go to Europe, you see more of the one-two tiki-taka passes. It seems like that aspect of the game is transitioning to the North American style. Would you agree to that? Yes, I agree 100% that the yeah. style and this league is changing. And the league itself is growing with, you can see the players that are now in this league back, you know, five, ten years ago. And you look now, the players that are in the league now, you're like, you know, Gareth Bale, Chiellini, Insigne. It's insane. You see these guys in the league now, and you're like, it's a growing league, and more eyes are on this league for sure. So the style, these players coming in also helps change the style because they're coming, they're used to that Tiki Taka style, and they're implementing it yeah. into, and, and the coaches as well. You see Rooney, Rooney's now the coach of DC. Yeah, DC. He's been at Man U, and... So he would implement his style into this game. And if it works, then other coaches are going to want to do the same. So that's how 
It's yeah. cool to see it, isn't it? You're you're literally evolving with the sport as it's played in North America. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Now tell me a little bit about Toronto. I, I've never been. I was planning on going. What's it like playing in front of a crowd like that? It's pretty crazy, isn't it? It, it, it is crazy. Uh, I've tried to imagine it before, but it, it's different when you're actually out there and, you know, over 20,000 fans supporting you as you're playing. And, and for me, I've, I've had the, the luxury of scoring two home goals and, and just the noise in the stadium when it went in. It's like such a great feeling. It gives you so much adrenaline, yeah. such a big energy shock. You just want to go and and score another so that's why I'm always so grateful for the fans you know you, I've, I've always watched and see like all oh, the fans you know they're probably a big part of the game but when you're actually on the field you see for yourself you see how important fans are it's pretty crazy yeah wow so going out into your first ever game in your home stadium in Toronto and eventually scoring in another appearance what was the reception like when that goal hit the back of the net? Were you just like, oh shit, I, I legit just scored in my home city. This is crazy. Yeah, that was that was definitely my reaction on the inside. On the outside, I just tried to stay cool. Be professional. And just celebrate how <laughs> and just celebrate how I would normally celebrate. Yeah. But on the inside for sure I was just blowing up like I just scored in front of in front of all these people. My family watching in the stands, like that's never happened before. My family getting to watch me score in the stadium, in the stands, like it was a, it was a great feeling. For sure. Now you have a little brother, right? Yes. And I bet he was in the stands going crazy. He was, yeah. So what what what's your bond with your brother like when it comes to the game of soccer? I mean, he's learning from you, obviously, but what what is it like? Yeah, me and my brother, yeah, we have a great relationship. You know, we. We watch all the soccer games together. We play together. We practice together. So I'm trying to be a role model for him, and and because he's got talent, you know. When I was his age, he would he was probably a better player than me. So he has so much potential. So I'm just trying to do what I can so that he can follow uh, that footstep for sure and, and try to help him. So you yeah. know, it's I great. mean, I think you're a special breed of talent because, like I said, when we we're at that camp. As age 14, I mean, playing with a bunch of 18-year-olds, it was insane to watch. Like, I I wasn't the, say, the skinniest guy in the group. I wasn't the, the most athletic guy. But when you got a guy like yourself going up and down the field, just running circles around people, I'm like, holy cow, like, this guy, he's going to play at the next level. That's why I kept following you. I was like, DeAndre Curtis is going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I've... I've at a young age, I've always, you know, I've worked hard and, and to, to get to, to where I am. And it's good to see, like, my hard work uh, pay off in the end, you know, so. Well, so tell me, we're going to backtrack a little bit. Going back to Syracuse, you know, like, what all went into the decision process? This is before NIL, no incentives. You could have easily probably stayed with TFC, right, with the, the developmental system, right? Mm-hmm. What, what led to your decision of going to Syracuse? Um, yeah, so I was with the academy at TFC, and I just felt like I wanted to continue my education. And I was able to do that at Syracuse, and I was able to continue playing soccer as well, and I knew that I would still have the opportunity to go pro yeah. afterwards. So it's sort of like getting the best of both worlds. So at the end, that, that's what led to my decision. So. Yeah, okay. Well, like... Coming to the fact of styles of play, 
I know at Syracuse you guys run a quite an attacking style soccer brand of soccer, and now transitioning over to the MLS, it's still kind of an attacking style soccer. But yet we were talking earlier about the European style evolving into the North American style of play. How are you able to adjust to all that? Do you think you have an upper leg with playing that type of fast soccer or a little bit of a learning curve? Um, yeah, when I first got to Syracuse, it was a learning curve for sure. It was a bit of a faster pace than uh, before. I was also playing a different position. I was playing striker and I usually play like as a midfielder or as a winger. So all that was like an adjustment. It was also more physical, so I had to work on that part of my game more. And I just took it all in, just took it as a learning curve, and I just knew that it would all help me in the end. So Just a sponge, absorbing it all in. Yeah. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Well, you know, we're we're here in Nashville. Luckily, I was able to meet you. You haven't really seen much of Nashville here, but are you a hot chicken kind of guy? Yeah. Yeah, you like hot chicken? Yeah. So Nashville hot chicken, there's a segment we're going to get to on the podcast called, it's called Meals of Meatball. So back in high school, all my guys, they would, all my friends would call me Meatball because, you know, me being Italian and, you know, just had, I was a lot bigger than this. Anyways, uh, that's the segment. We'll get to it at the second half of the podcast. But uh, just a little tease. You, you like, what what level of hot? What If I go one to ten, what what's the level for you? Well, I don't do too well afterwards. But <laughs> one to ten, I'll say six, seven. Six or seven? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a place... I want to say go that direction. If you guys have time after the, or before the game, you can have somebody pick it up for you. place called Hattie B's or Prince's Hot Chicken. Prince is the original in Nashville. It's like the original hot spot. Um, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more into just the day-to-day process of being a professional athlete. What do you just... Go to training, play FIFA, go to training. Is that <laughs> is that the schedule? What's it like? Oh, well, um, yeah. I wake up in the morning and, and get myself ready, and then drive down to training. It takes me. I live in in uh, Ajax, which is east of, of Toronto, so it takes me about forty five minutes to get to training in the morning. Wow. So once I get to training, um, I I eat breakfast there, so, you know, with some of my teammates, and then. Afterwards, I uh, obviously get changed into my training kit and then head into the gym, do uh, my prep, my activation stuff, get me ready for training. And then, you know, when the time comes, I go out for training. We train um, a little over an hour on the field. And then once we come inside, that's when we do our recovery stuff, whether it's the ice tubs or, you know, you're with the, the physios and the trainers getting what you need or you're in the gym doing extra stretches and stuff. And then, you know, when you feel good, then you, you shower up, you eat lunch um, at the facility with, the, with your teammates and then head home. And then, so I get home around 1, 2 in, in the afternoon and then the rest of my day is pretty much free. You yeah. Know, play FIFA and sleep and, and then do the same thing the next day. So... Getting to the point of FIFA, eventually, your name will be in there. Your face will be on there. Ultimate team. I mean, you're licking your chops right now, but how cool would that be just to be in a video game? 
actually am in the game. You are? In the yeah. Game. No way. <laughs> yeah. So that shows how long I've been away from the from the console. Yeah. How so, crazy is that? It's crazy. I, I remember it was one of my friends. They sent me a picture and they're like, "Yo, this is you." <laughs> and uh, I like, ran to my PS5 and went to look and I was like, "Wow, like, I'm in the game. I'm in. I'm in FIFA. I've been playing FIFA since '09." Yeah. And same. And, and, like competitively, so see myself in the games like amazing for sure i think some professionals that play fifa they have like their own card don't they like a 99 overall card yeah so you could get one of those right yeah i mean i wasn't in ultra team i think your first year you're not in ultra team right away but um this fifa coming out i'm in ultra team and you help me getting that 99 card that's sure. so cool man. yeah now i remember back when you were playing with uh, tsc's uh i guess youth squad there was a big like video from overtime and you scored some like rip up top cheddar and you did the Mbappe celebration yeah. you, you, you kind of went away from that or you got a celebration or no Are you still thinking about yeah. one no I I, um, I did do the Mbappe when I scored my first home goal yeah um, the camera didn't really catch it but but I did do it but but I remember that tournament it was um, GA Cup yep and it was sort of my first big tournament with TFC's academy and that was sort of my coming out party because that's there was a lot of eyes and there was a lot of cameras and I did well and I scored some nice goals so it was, it was definitely a good I'll never forget that tournament for sure yeah because I think it had over like 500,000 views I'm like oh my yeah this is going somewhere yeah but yeah so you've had what three goals this year and one assist right um yeah three goals they didn't count that as my assist really yeah wow you think they would you know like, yeah i thought they would but you know there's plenty more to come though right yeah, yeah. plenty more well folks we are about to the halfway point of the podcast uh before we cut to a quick break let me tell you about my friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, it's an online ticket company app and basically they have a scale from one to ten nine point seven nine point is what you normally see for a great value ticket ten is green one is bad you gotta know where to go. You can go to a sporting event, you can go to a concert, you can go to a wine festival, beer festival, whatever type of event that's on SeatGeek, you can go to it. And with my code NFPOD, NFPOD, somewhere on the screen somewhere, maybe up here, I don't know, uh, you can go check that out and put it in. You get $20 off your first purchase. And uh, hey, you might be able to go see Mr. DeAndre Kerr in person. $20 off courtesy of me. So uh, go out there, get yourself a nice ticket to, to a wonderful event. Have a nice night in the town, courtesy of myself, NFPOD, NFPOD. We'll be back after this quick break. Welcome back, everybody, to the second half of the Nick Frazier podcast. Alongside DeAndre Kerr, the 19-year-old phenom for TFC. Is that too much of a title? I think it's a good one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. So has anybody gave you a nickname yet on the team or no? No, most people just call me... Yeah, they call me D or they call me DK. That's really? Just, it's easier to say than DeAndre yeah, on the field, you know? That's so. true. They got to give you a good old nickname like Mbappe Jr. or something. I don't know. They do, they do call me Dembuz, which is um, a nickname for Usman Dembele, who okay. plays for Barcelona. And that's one of my favorite players and a player who I try to resemble my okay. game like. So that's another one that, that um, some of the players call me. Like being technical with the feet? Just um, being fast and like good at dribbling and being able to shoot with both feet. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like 
a lot of people don't know which foot I am, and it's the same with Dembele, so, so we're similar in that sense. So speaking before the break, we talked about your FIFA card. What, what's the weak foot? What, what, what's the star of the weak foot looking like? Well, it started off at two stars, and then it got upgraded to three stars. So I think they're starting to realize I can use both feet, so it's working its way up. There you go. Yeah. Now, do you ever, uh, this is probably a dumb question to ask, but do you ever, like, look at your FIFA card and be like, is that, they got that wrong, or do I really need to improve on stuff like that? Yeah, there's some stuff, you know, I think they got wrong, but then again, I was coming from Syracuse. They didn't really know much about me or see me right. much, so now some of my stats are starting to get upgraded now, like my pace and and some other dribbling and some other stuff, my weak foot and, and skills, so... I mean, that's just with time, you know, the more I play and stuff, so. Yeah. You're just a baby. You're 19 years old. <laughs> yeah. You're the rookie of the club. Yeah. Did any of the guys in the locker room give you a hard time at all for being the youngster? Um, not too much. No? No, no I don't think so. Not too much. I'm pretty quiet in the locker room, so most of the guys are cool with me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was playing, like, everybody gave me a hard time. My cleats would be gone. Like, where are my cleats at? They'd hide my cleats from me. It was every, every practice, man. I'd be laid up like. Somebody give me my cleats back, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, so getting in the second half here of the podcast, normally it's more, you know, happy-go-lucky, fun, food-based. So let's get into Meals and Meatball a little bit. That's the segment on the podcast where there are two little titled segments, Tennessee Tasties, Nashville Nasties. Obviously, this is probably your first time in Tennessee, right? Yeah. Haven't really seen any of the restaurant scene at all. So give me a little bit back home. What are probably your three best places you like to eat back home in Toronto? Three best places to eat? Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think I could tell you my top three. I, I like... I'm a big pasta guy. So Really? When I go out to eat, like... For example, like out with my family, we go to Red Lobster... I really? always get a pass to this. Okay. So, Red Lobster for 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 sure okay. is up there, and then um, there's Moxie's up there as well, and I'll have to stick with those two for now. Okay, I, that's I fine. We'll leave the third one for open option yeah. later down the road. Yeah. But uh, now getting on to Nashville nasties, it's a. Uh, not the greatest topic for some people that come on the podcast. I've had people give me 15-minute rants of places they've gone, and they're just like, service was terrible, or, like, the food was bad. They, like, ended up getting some terrible dish that gave them a stomach bug or something. You ever had that experience? Any nasty places, either in Toronto or elsewhere in the U.S. or North America? No, I've never, I've never really gotten... There was just... One time in um, actually preseason with with um, TFC in my first preseason, um, we had steak one di- one time at the hotel, and I was up all night. I was so really? sick, and it, I was. And we had a, a game the next day, so I was like done going into the game, and I had to play. I played the first forty-five, and I was like, I'm done. I can't. Cause wow. I was just I was up all night throwing up like couldn't sleep I was sweating like it was horrible so now anytime I see steak I'm like so like I'll scarred pass. <laughs> yeah. even if it's good I'm like I'll pass yeah. so you a big Mexican food guy or no 
Um, no. No. Really. I'm just curious because they have a lot of stake in their type of, you know, diet with carne asada and such. Yeah. Hey, I'll admit, if you ever give steak a second try, carne asada is a good a good way to ease back in, yeah. in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, for me, three best places to eat in Nashville, I'd probably say, are you a breakfast guy or no? Yeah. So there's a, I don't know if you're accustomed with the American Southern food, but there's a place called Loveless Cafe. Okay. And there's this lady, she's passed, she's dead now, but her name is the Biscuit Lady. The biscuits. Yeah. They're so warm and hot, they just melt in your mouth. Yeah. Put a little jelly on them or some butter, whatever. So nice. It's so nice. Yeah. Uh, but I like to get, I don't know how you like your eggs, but I do like sunny side up, like kind of. A little wet, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that that's not for me. Not I'm more of just a scrambled scrambled egg kind of guy. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean I eat them ever any way possible, but I'll get the yolk, I dip it in the bread. It's pretty good. Yeah. Some people it may not be. But um yeah, also let me just remind people on the podcast that uh, we are in the Weston uh, Nashville hotel downtown. So we get a couple bridal showers. We got one right now. Not sure how the marriage is gonna work out. Is it gonna work out, you think? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, whoever's marrying them, best of luck. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but uh, some other stuff in Nashville. I'd say another place. I mentioned, you know, some hot chicken places like Hattie B's and, you know, Princess Hot Chicken. But if I had to go with, like, a local place, I don't know. I, I have two of my producers here. Matt, any good places to eat outside of any places? No? Nothing that rings your bell? Noah? Yeah, Hattie B's is pretty good if you yeah. like hot chicken. So, uh, oh. chicken guy. Thank you. Yes, that's a good place to eat. Yeah. And then probably a third one. I don't know. There's some places downtown that are kind of nice, but I don't know. I'm, I don't go out that much. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I'm invested in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Those are those are my three. Some Nashville nasties I've had recently. I was in Florida. I actually flew back this morning to do the interview with you and. Uh, there was a place we ate. I think it was called Lo, La Lo or something like L A L O or something. Mm-hmm. The Mexican restaurant, kind of like the situation you had. I had chorizo, which is like some sort of Mexican meat of some sort. I don't know if it was cooked or not. <laughs> I had the same situation. Yeah. Had me up. I mean, it was had me up all morning. But yeah, nah, never again. Yeah. Never again. <laughs> it wasn't good. But um, carrying on with the podcast, we kind of got to that segment pretty early, which is cool. Um, but getting back to the the game of soccer in general, what favorite team growing up? What is it? A little rapid fire. It's stuff. always been Chelsea. Chelsea's Chelsea. always been my team. Yeah, up to now. Yeah. Well, well I guess Lampard kind of attracted you, or what? It wasn't even that. It was just I started playing when I was seven. So around that time, um, I think a game was just on, and I was asking my dad like, "What? What's? Who's the team in the blue?" He's like, "That's Chelsea," and I was like, "I like that team." And ever since then, I just. Carried on with it, and then I just. I think what Drogba was playing at that time, right? Yeah, Drogba, yeah. Lampard, Dolo. and then Lukaku was like a baby. Yeah, he was. He was. A, yeah, he was a young guy for sure. That's crazy. But now, my next thing I got to ask you, since Chelsea's your favorite team, so throughout the season, like later on in the MLS season, when there it's winding down, and then you know, like today, Premier League started back up. I guess you end up watching it in your free time and stuff. Like, yeah. it, do you like learn stuff while watching the game at all, or no? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. these. 
that's the highest level. I think that's the best league in the world, the yeah. Premier League. So, you know, these are the best players in the world. So, of course, there's so much to learn um, just watching. And you see players in your position doing things, and you think, okay, maybe I should start doing that, maybe I should try that. And it's not just the Premier League, it's anywhere. Even yeah. in the MLS, there's players in, the, in this league that you watch and you learn from. So, of course, I'm always learning. I try to watch as many games as I can, so I'm always learning. Yeah. Now, have you been called up to the international squad yet or no? No. I just played with the U15 and U17s, and, um, yeah, that's been... I remember after the camp that we attended together, you ended up going to Brazil for the World Cup, right? For the, yeah. what, U15? U17. U17. Yeah. You were a 14-year-old at the time, right? No, so um, after the camp, it was U15s, and okay. that was, like, a CONCACAF championship. So okay. all CONCACAF teams, and then... Like a, or a little bit over a year later was the U17 World Cup. So I went to that. That was the one in Brazil. How cool is that? It was, it was amazing to, to play in Brazil. Our first game was against Brazil. Brazil ended up winning the whole tournament. Like we, Those were the best players in the world at, at our age. So it was, yeah. it was a crazy experience. Is there anybody that played in that tournament that is now playing in like Europe somewhere? Do you know at all? Or yeah, no? there's, there's, um, there's a few. There's a few. I know um, their striker, I um, can't remember his name, but he signed with Juventus over $10 million. Is it Cal George? Yes, him. Yeah. And um, Jan Kuto signed with Man City, $15 million around. I think he's on loan now, but yeah. those are the two I know for sure. Uh, when Holy cow. When That's crazy. Europe. Yeah. Is it like ever shocking? Like, wow, these guys actually played against them. Like, does that ever come across yeah. your brain? I mean, it did at first, but then, but like, I look now, like, I'm, I'm right there with them. He, not even just that; it's just like, like, yeah, I played with them or played against them. And it was cool, but like, you look now, like Insigne, a guy like Insigne is my teammate. So yeah, now I'm like, it's a whole another level when you look at that. So let's let's ease, peel back the onion a little bit. I'm gonna give some rapid fire questions. Yeah. Best dress on the team? Who is it? Best dress. Just comes to training Jayden every day Nelson. like it's a fashion show. Jaden Nelson. Really? Yeah. What's he wearing? Just he's comes in a nice jacket every day. Yeah, some shoes. you just you just look at him and you're like, yeah, that guy's going somewhere or yeah. something. He's he's going out in the town kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. Okay. How about this? Best person that gives, I guess, some sort of advice. Somebody your go-to guy you go to all the time. Michael Bradley. Really? For sure. Since my first day. He's he's always and up to now he's always giving me advice, always helping me out. Um, what he sees, and it's not just advice. He also praises you when you do something good. So he's he's a when you think of a captain, he's he's the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. What's the dynamic like between his dad being the coach and him being a player? Like, is it almost like a I guess alpha alpha dynamic where they're both kind of coaches in their own regard? Um, I, I wouldn't say that. I I think uh, Bob. He's the coach, and he coaches, right. and there's no just because he's a son or just because he's a captain. You know, it's you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell on the training. Right. He he's, he coaches, and then Bradley, he when he has something to say or he has, they know pitch in here and there. But we don't. Yeah, good to know. Because like I don't know, the public perception is like, oh, there's his son. Maybe like they have some sort of like telepathy connection, like. That's the Bradley on the field. That's the Bradley on the side yeah. of the pitch, you know? Yeah. That's cool. That's good to know. Some good insight. Mm -hmm. uh, how about this? 
Has anybody ever cooked for you on the team? Have you ever been to like somebody's house to cook? No. no. no nobody never. invited you to go out to eat? No, I've not. No, I've never gone to someone's house oh, okay. for them to cook. But like, we've had a team dinner uh, before, but but no. Nobody's like your go-to guy. Like, oh, let's go grab some food or no? Um, no, not not really. No. Okay. All right. Now, recently there was a guy from TFC that came to Nashville SC. I don't know if you're familiar with who it was. Jacob Schaffelberg. Yeah. Tell me a little about a little about him. What are the fans in Nashville got to expect from him? Yeah, he's he's a he's a great guy. First of all, off the pitch, he's a really nice guy, great guy, and then on the pitch, very fast, hard worker. He'll run up and down and for the team, and he, he gives his all um, every time he's on the field. So he's he's a great guy. Good to know. Thank you. Well, that's DeAndre Kerr. He gave us some insight here. Any questions you want to ask me about podcasting, about sports, anything? Um. The floor is yours. Yeah. So <laughs> what got you into doing podcasts? Podcasts, yeah. Well, honestly, like, I don't know. Like, after that camp that we had, like, I was like, well, maybe I have a decent shot at playing, you know, professional or semi-professional. And so, like, my granddad is from, like, a small town in Italy. I was like, well, maybe i go reach out to, like, a third division Serie C team or something. And that was kind of, like, my gateway of, like, oh, maybe I do have a chance of playing professionally somewhere. And... It's crazy enough because the team I reached out to, I would get up at like 3 in the morning all the time. Get up 3 in the morning. Call, 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 call. You end up getting like a voicemail or somebody like answered. Her name was Elisa. And my grandmother would help translate because they spoke in like a dialect. And she was telling like, hey, here's so-and-so represented by this XYZ. I would love to do like a 10-day, you know, like a 10-day trial or some degree or something like that. Two weeks or something like that. And they accepted my offer. And then I didn't get any response from them for like a week or two. I get an email back. The club went under. They went bankrupt. Mm. So I was like, well, yeah. that's kind of like the last straw. Like, I have nothing else to do now. I guess I need to kind of go to plan B. And so when I was in like the grade school, like sixth grade, I've always wanted to do sports broadcasting. I'm a big baseball fan. I don't know about you. I know Toronto has the Blue Jays, and they're pretty good. But I always love listening to the radio and listening to like play-by-play baseball it was like the coolest thing to me it's like you close your eyes and the people like talking would just paint the picture mm-hmm. you know it's a work of art in my opinion it's a lost art and in, in some in some regard yeah. so uh but yeah that's kind of what got me into it it's just from eight years old on i was like yeah maybe that's something i want to do in my future you know yeah but hey got the equipment got yeah. the computer got a new setup i mean wave the camera baby how we doing <laughs> has the angle looking yeah. good Oh, man. But, yeah, that's kind of it. That's kind of it, man. And I just want to peel back the onion of, like, you can be a sports journalist and not be a stiff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like a podcast is a gateway to opening up that next dimension of, like, hey, we could be friends, but also we could be professional. You know what I mean? Like, And also it's a coping mechanism for people like me or somebody else that's played at a higher level. And, you know, didn't make it the whole way. Well, they still love the camaraderie of locker room talk. They still love the camaraderie of just being with teammates, you know? So I feel like it gives me an opportunity to let people through the lens, an opportunity to, you know, get back to the other side. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. that's kind of it. Good good description, enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's perfect. That's... That's what I wanted to know, and that answered a few questions I had, so that, good. that was good. Good, yeah. Anything else? Um, no, that's... That was, that's about that's it? That's about it, yeah. Would you ever start your own podcast? 
I, I mean, it, they're definitely growing in, in popularity, and I definitely watch them, and they're, I find them interesting, so why not? Yeah. Who knows? I feel like you do some with some of your teammates, though. It'll be a good kick. Yeah. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they just swarmed around the swarmed around the lobby here, man. Y'all yeah. just y'all like a convoy of an yeah. army just walking around. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. crazy. But DeAndre, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Uh, I know watching you from the U15s up to now, you've been a very flourishing, uprising talent, and. Uh, I want to wish the best for you from here Thank on. you. Thank you for having me. It was, Absolutely. It was great to, to be on here for sure. Hopefully we can uh, meet up sometime besides just doing an interview. You know? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. For I might sure. have to make a trip up to Toronto. Yeah, you Show me you around have the town to. a little you bit. Have to, yeah. What's the best place to eat in, in Toronto from your, from your perspective? Um, there's a restaurant called Hibachi, and that's... Top notch? That's top notch. Creme de la creme? Yes, okay. it is. So. All right, good to know. Well, folks, I'm Nick Frazier. That's DeAndre Kerr. Appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.